Good morning and welcome, family. On a scale of being a warrior or a full armored warrior, where is your heart today? Are you weary, worried, or winning? God's word in Psalm 95, verse 6 says, Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the flock under His care. Whether you're on the mountaintop or the valley, join us as we pour our hearts to the Lord, our Maker. Let's turn our worries into worship and our passion into praise.
Speak your name, Jesus. No one can ever compare to you. No one can ever, ever compare to you. You are high and lifted up, seated at the right hand of the Father. So worthy, Lord. You are so, so worthy. And who 
every heart and every home and break our walls down in every heart and every home spirit break out in every heart and every home and heaven come I want to invite you as I pray right now after an amazing time of just being able to worship the Lord to just open your heart with me. And let's invite the Holy Spirit to be with us um, as we go on to the Word. But just in this moment, I just sense uh, a desire for the Holy Spirit to move, continue to move among us. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name that your Spirit is with us. That in every location where we are partaking and participating in this service, you are there with us. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and fill us with your presence, with your grace right now in Jesus' name. Let us be aware of your nearness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you have given us your Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you will move in our midst. Now, but in these days also, we trust you for an increased moving of the work of your power and of your grace in our world. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. It's this time of the service where we take up the offering and I want to give you an opportunity to worship the Lord uh, from what He has provided for you. And I'm asking you to just follow the prompts on the screen and give, give cheerfully as the Lord has laid it upon your heart and as His Word instructs us to give. So thank you for your giving. Today it's with a mix of sadness and excitement that we get to say goodbye to Chris and Anna Matthews. You will know Chris as one of our uh, lead worshippers and he's been involved in the worship ministry in our church for the last 15 years. And uh, he served as a music instructor, as the facilitator for our art center, as a, a teacher in the art center and obviously within worship teams and done an amazing job. He's also written some of the songs that we sing and have been just such a presence in our midst. Anna has also been really involved with HAC, our art center and, and has been a facilitator there. And uh, we're going to miss them dearly, but they're moving on to back to the States where Anna comes from and uh, going back to the state where she comes from and going to live there and continue to build out God's kingdom as they feel the Lord is leading them and in that calling. And we support them in that 100%. And that's the bit we're excited about, knowing what God is going to do with them and uh, through them in those places. But obviously, we're going to miss them dearly. So Chris and Anna, we just want to say we love you so much and we appreciate everything you've been in Hatfield over these 15 years and, and just every part of your journey that you've walked with us. We love you and we speak God's blessing over you as you journey towards the, the States. We are doing a series at this moment that is entitled Saying Yes to Jesus. And last week I spoke about a little bit about what that means. What does it look like to say yes to Jesus? And today I want to talk more and, and next week also about the implications that that has in our lives. What impact it has on our lives that we are saying yes to Jesus. That we have said yes to Jesus and that we continue to say yes to Jesus. So today I want to talk particularly about the impact on relationships. And... Um, I want to start by just, just sharing some of my personal experience with you. The first memory I have of saying yes to Jesus was around about the age of nine. I was visiting our neighbors. Uh, they had a son, and uh, he was a year younger than me or something like that. And uh, we had a sleepover, and I can remember that night as we went to bed, uh, he was lying in his bed and I was on a mattress on the floor or one of those little pull-out mattresses from underneath a bed, something like that. Um, and uh, I can remember just before we were now going to sleep, he said, he asked me this great question. He said, if you had to die tonight, will you go to heaven? And, uh, you know, he must have been about eight, I was nine. So what an amazing conversation for two little young people like that to have. And, uh, but that night when he asked me that question, it struck me. And he actually led me in the sinner's prayer that evening. And I can remember that at the moment I prayed that prayer, there was an, there was an experience I had of the presence of God. I, I didn't quite understand it at the time, but now I know it was the presence of God that was there, and it, and it really impacted on my life. And that's the first memory I have. That was sort of my conversion experience, my, my moment of being born again, um, that the first time I said yes to Jesus. 
But that led to a whole bunch of other yeses down the road in my life. Probably the next one that, that springs to my mind was when I was about 14 years old. I was now in high school and um, trying to be, you know, a good person and trying to, to live up to my faith. But I, I was the only born-again person uh, in my school, in my year, and in my friendship group. And, you know, as it happens with boys that age, you start talking about things and girls and, you know, and, and the language that starts developing is not, you know, really good language. And uh, so I have this memory of being at school. We used to have this tree, our friendship group, that we always stood at during break. And there would be these conversations happening. And as hard as I tried not to participate in the conversations or laugh at the conversation, I was part of the conversation. And, and so I was in that space where I was trying to, to you know, say yes to Jesus, but finding it difficult and to know what that means and how to live that out. And uh, we were going on a youth camp. I was then in a, in a Hatfield youth group, and uh, we started coming to Hatfield a, a couple of years after I got born again. My mom and my brother also got saved, and we started coming to Hatfield. And by that time, I was in a Hatfield youth group, and we were going away for a week on, a, on this camp. And the Sunday night before the camp, um, the, I think it was Jesus of Nazareth was on television. And I watched the, the story, and particularly the crucifixion scene, and, and it just grabbed me. It was, became a moment that impacted my life, and I realized how, how, what a price Jesus paid for me on the cross, and how serious this is. And I recognized in that moment that I, I can't be one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. I, it's not honoring to the Lord Jesus. It's, it's not, I'm not going to progress in my faith if I live like that. And uh, so I can remember lying in my bed after having watched the movie um, the next day going on camp. But I made a commitment to the Lord that night. And that almost became the point where I would say, I said yes to Jesus only. And I said to the Lord Jesus, Lord Help me, I want to, to live for you. And, and had, went on this camp and had a great time at the camp. And it was the first time that somebody actually prophesied over me that I will serve the Lord one day. And uh, had a wonderful time. I can remember coming back from the camp and then had made a choice to say, even if I'm alone during break time, I cannot associate with the discussions my friends were having. That's how I responded in that moment at that time. Um, and then I think the next yes, and I'm not going to tell you all my yeses. Don't worry about it. I don't want to bore you with all of that. But the, the next yes was when I was around 17 years old. Um, in an occasion, the Lord spoke to me personally from Ezekiel 3. And uh, from Ezekiel 3, I think it's verse 4 to 5, he, he spoke to me and he said, I've called you to teach my word to, to not a foreign people, but to your own people. And I understood that to mean uh, to, to the church, to be, that I was called to speak the word of God within the context of the church. And um, that became a moment for me because my plan, my desire in life was to go study medicine and to become a doctor. And at that point, I chose then to say yes to Jesus, that I would give my life into vocational ministry and service of him. And, and so it continued, you know, as we go with our journey with Jesus. And I'm sure you can tell the same kind of story of of one, how one yes leads to the next yes, leads to the next yes, and we say yes to Jesus. But as my journey went forward, you know, and, and I, another point is saying yes to go on year of your life. And, and then, you know, up until today, there's still yeses. There's often these, these like these T-junctions in the road, and you have to make a choice. Am I going this way or that way? And that becomes a, a yes moment or a no moment to the Lord. But every time we say yes, we, we continue on with him, and it leads to the next yes. And I, I quickly began to realize that being a follower of Jesus is, a, is about having relationship with Jesus. It's a relational thing. It, 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 it just means that I have stepped into a relationship with Jesus, a personal relationship with Jesus. Um, and as you read the scripture, you even find that language that Jesus uses. He, he uses such relational language when he talks about our, uh, our followership of him, of being his disciples. In John 14, verse 23, for instance, he says, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. That, that relationship, our, <clears throat> our following of Jesus is a love relationship. It's because we love him. And that brings us into a relationship like where, where, where we're at home with him. It's like a family picture that it creates. And we often talk about God as our father. The scripture Jesus says, when you pray, pray to your father who is in heaven. God is a father. Um, Jesus says, I'm your older brother or I'm your friend. Um, there's this relational language that the scripture uses. In John 15, verse 13, greater love has no one this, than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And 
Jesus talks about this friendship with us that is to this level that he will lay down his life for us. So he, when, when saying yes to Jesus, I want to say what you're doing is you're saying yes to a relationship. Yes to a relationship with Jesus. A daily walk with him. And, and I've been serving the Lord now for you know, more than 40 years in having a relationship with him. And I can tell you that it's every day a relationship with him. It's walking with him. It's getting to know him. It's getting to, to know life through him. And, but it happens because I have this relationship with him. In Matthew 7 verse 21 to 23, Jesus gives a warning where he tells us that you can think you have said yes to him, but you actually haven't. And, and again, he uses relational language to describe this to us uh, in, John, in verse 21 of Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell him them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Jesus says this is a relationship, a two-way relationship that we have to be part of. We want to say yes to Jesus. We're saying yes to this relationship. But not just a relationship that is one way, but it's a relationship where there's a, a knowing of one another. Uh, let me explain it to you like this. I, I, I love sport, and uh, cricket particularly is one of the sports that I, I really enjoy and follow. And uh, now right now, IPL has started again, and I really enjoy watching the IPL, and our, our pro tiers are playing, and I, I watch that. And probably one of my favorite cricketers of all time is A.B. de Villiers. And, uh, you know, I've watched everything A.B.'s done almost, and I enjoy watching him play, and, you know, uh, over his career, and even in IPL now, I make sure that with the RCB, I get to watch at least the, the highlights, and if, if, if A.B.'s out, you know, then I almost lose interest because I just want to watch him play. He's, he's like, you know, Mr. 360, such a great player. So, you know, I can tell you I, I know A.B. I know A.B. because I know he's such a great player. I can, I can have a Protea shirt with A.B.'s name on it. I can tell you that his statistics. I can tell you when he played. I can tell you everything that tells you I know A.B. But if you, one day you met A.B. and you said to him, oh, do you know me? You know, he'll say, I don't know him. And at that point, no matter what my claim is that I know him and that I have relationship with him, it breaks down because he doesn't know me. Now, the analogy, I want to just take it further, is that it's not possible for A.B. to know everybody in South Africa, let alone all the millions of Indians that love him. So, you know, doesn't say anything bad of me that he doesn't know me. But it's different with Jesus. Jesus can know everybody. And in fact, Jesus wants to know everybody. The scripture is clear that if we come to him, he turns towards us. If we call upon his name, we will be saved. He will come to know us. So when Jesus says, I don't know you, it, it really is not because he didn't want to know you. It's because you didn't actually want to know him. You wanted to know about him. You wanted to know just enough so you can get the, the, the good things that he can offer you. you. You wanted to name drop perhaps or be associated with him in some way. And you wanted to have the good stuff, but you didn't really want to know him. And that's what Jesus invites us into. Is When we say yes to Jesus, we say yes to knowing him. And that's where the scripture is so clear that it is a pursuit that takes all of us, that everything we have, to know him. Then he says, I know you. And that's the relationship we want. That's the relationship we want to talk about. Often in, in Christian and Christianity, we will say that uh, our, our faith is, uh, is not a religion, it's a relationship. And I completely understand what people mean when they say that, and I agree with it. But I prefer to often say our faith, my faith, my journey with Jesus is more than religion. It's a relationship. Why do I prefer to say more than a religion? The word, what is the... the what does it mean when I say religion? A lot of people feel uncomfortable with that term today. A lot of people don't like the term religion. A lot of people organize religion. They're afraid of it. They don't like it. They, they want nothing to do with it. People are far more comfortable nowadays to talk about spirituality. They, they're spiritual people, and they have a form of spirituality. And, and for some people, Jesus can fit into that spirituality. For some, Jesus is not even part of that spirituality, but they are a spiritual being. Often when we, we talk about those two concepts, religion and spirituality, when we say religion, we, say, we talk about a specific set of organized beliefs and practices usually shared by a community or a group. 
whereas spirituality is more of an individual practice and has to do with having a sense of peace and purpose. It, is, it also relates to the process of developing beliefs around the meaning of life and connection with others. Um, I got that from ideas.org.au. And uh, those two descriptors. And so when we talk about religion, it has this idea of practices and, and a structure that we're part of where a spirituality is something that has a, a more of sense of just meaning and connection that it provides for me. I want to use another sports analogy. Forgive me for those of you that aren't really sports-loving people for all my sports analogies today. But I want to use another sports analogy to describe perhaps the difference between the two as I see it. Uh, when I was younger, I used to play uh, football. Um, and I even played football in a league. There's a, a church league in, in Pretoria called the One Way League, and it's been around for decades. And uh, when I was younger, obviously then it had to be around for decades, um, I played in one of our Hatfield teams. We had a number of teams that participated in the league. And so every Saturday when it was the season, we would be playing matches. So um, when I played in the league, it, there was a level of seriousness to it. You know, we were quite serious about the rules and the and the behavior of what it means to play football. So when we arrived on a Saturday, we played in a kit. We had clothes that we wore, you know, a team that all looked similar. You had to do that. You had to play with proper football boots. You had to play with, uh, you know, shin pads you had to have in. We, you had to have 11 players on the field. There was a properly marked outfield with lines, all the proper lines in the right dimensions and everything. Uh, we had a referee that made sure that everything was done according to the rules. We even had linesmen, as we used to call them in those days, assistant re referees. We didn't have VAR, obviously. But um, we had all of those things, and uh, the score was kept. And, and because it was a league, we, we took it quite serious. Now, I mean, you get professional leagues where they take it even more seriously. But... I never got there, never got close. But um, I, at least I played in this league and, and there was a level of seriousness to it. But then I also played a lot of football, probably even more football, in a park with a bunch of friends just for fun. Um, we would regularly go to one of the schools down the road here and use their rugby field. So we didn't have proper lines. We didn't have a kit. Normally when we got there, a bunch of us, we wanted to play football. If it was only guys, then it was skins and no skins. So that meant, you know, some guys kept their shirts on, others put their shirts off, and that was the two teams. If there were girls present, then we found another creative way to separate the two teams from one another. There were no proper lines. Normally the goalposts wasn't a proper goalpost by the right dimension. It was two pairs of pluckies that somebody threw down and measured roughly out you know, two meters apart or whatever. And those were the goals. There's no height dimensions or whatever. We normally had a rule, no waist high, but you know, who's waist and you know, all of that stuff. Um, we didn't have a referee, certainly didn't have linesmen. And the score was to determine when the game ends, but it, it, didn't, it wasn't really all that important because we were just doing it to have fun. And when I use those two analogies, it almost feels like sometimes people think organized religion is like, you know, playing football with rules and everything. But then you, spirituality is something you do, and it just has got so much more fun to it, it because it's, you know, it's not so worried about all the rules and everything. Now, I want to tell you, our faith, that's why I think I used to prefer the term, it's more than a religion, because there's a seriousness to our faith. Our faith has rules. Anything doesn't go. It's not just for fun. I'm not a Christian because it's a fun thing to do, because it's a nice thing to do. I'm a Christian because I believe it's how life should be lived. And I believe that Jesus died on a cross. And just the moment you put that into the conversation of our faith, that, that God had to come and die on a cross, I mean, doesn't it make it a little bit more serious? And, and when Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and life in abundance, I want you to play at the, the highest leagues. I want you to play this game at the best way that it can be done, the game of life. It tells me there's a seriousness to this. So for me, my, my faith, my Christianity is a relationship, but there's religious elements to it. And I thought, often think about it like this. My faith breathes life into my religion, and my religion gives form to my relationship. Because as I operate within the, the laws or the rules of this relationship, there's structure to this relationship. Any relationship that is worth something in our lives has rules to it. It has some form of agreement. It has something that outlines what this relationship is. There are relationships that we do just for the fun of it, and they come and go, and you know, 
people that we know for a period of time and then we don't know them anymore and it doesn't really matter, but people that we have long-standing relationships with, there are some forms of agreement and, and boundaries and, and rules that we put in place, you know. Um, and so it is with my relationship with Jesus. Now you may say to me, okay, so to, be, to say yes to Jesus, you are saying to me, therefore, that you have to say yes to certain rules and expectations. And I, I believe so. I, I believe that's the truth because Jesus said it in the scripture I read earlier where he said, if you love me, you will obey my... If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. He will keep my word. He will follow my instructions. What I say will be important to them and they will say yes to it. So saying yes to Jesus is this relationship I say yes to, but this relationship that happens within the description of some, of some rules and expectations. Now, what are these rules and expectations? What am I saying to you? If you want to say yes to Jesus, what must you say yes to in terms of the rules? And that's fantastic. I'm so glad you asked that question. That's so easy to answer because in Matthew 22, verse 36 to 39, Jesus tells us the rules of this relationship that we want to have with him. Verse 36, they asked him, teachers, which is the greatest commandment in the law? What is the, the, the core here? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And second is like, is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus said, this is the, these are the rules. If you want to have a relationship with me, these are the rules the relationships work by. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, with everything. This is not something you can do part-time. This is not something you can do with part of your being. This will require everything of your life. All your thoughts, all your energy, all your emotions, everything has to be given to this pursuit. Love the Lord your God. He says that's the first commandment. Then he says the second is love your neighbor as you love yourself. And it brings into relationship two of our very human interactions and realities. Our relationship we have with ourselves and our relationship we have with others. And so in that way, what Jesus was saying is, if you say yes to me, it'll change your whole life. It'll determine the path of your, of your existence will completely change and be determined by this, the fact that you say yes to me. Because you'll have to do it with all your heart and it will change every relationship you have. It'll change your relationship with yourself and it will change your relationship with others. And I can certainly attest to that. I can remember as a, you know, as having said yes to Jesus, that one of the first things I started experiencing is how Jesus changed my relationship with myself. We all have a relationship with ourselves. Um, I want to say it's the most problematic relationship you'll ever have, is the relationship you have with yourself. Why do I say that? You see, from even before we're born, we begin to respond to the stimulus of this world, to the communication, the information that is given to us. We begin to respond. It impacts on us. And then as we live our lives and as we grow more and more, we, we receive information from this world. And a lot of that information is about telling us who we are. It, it forms an idea for us about who am I. And then we also have the internal stimulus that comes at us, our own feelings, our own thoughts, often linked to these outside things, but our own interpretations. And it's between these two realities that we begin to form in a relationship with myself based on how I see myself. And often we don't even, it's not cognitive in the sense that I can describe that exactly for somebody else, but it determines my life. It's very real. I have a relationship with myself. And the challenge in this world with that dynamic is that this world is a fallen world. It's a broken world. So the information I'm getting from outside of myself that people give me is broken information. It's not complete information. Some of it is false. Some of it is tainted by their own brokenness and their own perceptions and views. And because we struggle as people to really love others and, you know, we have problems with race and we have problems with gender and we have problems with so many different things. So when we communicate to people so often, we are, we are projecting our own struggles through our communication onto others. So others are communicating to me and they're communicating in, in broken language, coming from a place of brokenness. And so these half-truths come at me that tells me who I am. And then inside, I'm also broken. 
So not only is the information coming at me broken, but the receiver is broken. And so there's a lot of information that gets twisted in this process. And, and when, when somebody says something to me, even with kindness, I can interpret it to be something horrible and bad. Because I, I'm broken. I don't have it all perfect. And in this mix of brokenness begins to take shape this idea of who I am. And based on that idea of who I am, I build a relationship with myself. And everything I do and am flows from this relationship with myself. And there's no person on this earth that has a perfectly good relationship with himself. Because none of us are perfect, can translate and understand things perfectly. As the scripture says, we see in part and we understand in part. I know that's in a different context, but I think the, the idea applies here that we, we don't see it. And none of us receive clear, perfect communication from those around us. So we end up with a twisted view of ourselves. And based on that twisted view, I act towards other people. For instance, for me, I had this experience when I was young, and some of you may have heard me tell this, that by, by the time I was like 12 or 13, I'd been bitten by dogs three times. So I developed a fear of dogs. And that fear of dogs caused me some discomfort in quite a number of situations where Friends of it, like we were a group of friends, we want to go swim somewhere and then there's a big dog and I didn't want to go in and then, you know, the, all the friends look at me and call me derogatory names because I'm not man enough to own up to this dog and, you know, and, and information like that started giving me a view of myself, you know, that I'm not quite strong enough I'm, and, and, it, and I, I was never quite confident because of that and I, I was very withdrawn in many places because I was so... Um, just had broken, my confidence wasn't great. I didn't feel that I was a strong enough man, enough guy, you know, and, and that was in my life. But you know, the amazing thing happened when I said yes to Jesus. He started changing my relationship with myself by starting to give me his perspective and telling me what he thinks about me and what he feels about me. And the Lord Jesus started telling me that he loves me. And you know, when the highest authority in the universe tells you he loves you, it begins to change things. It may take a while for you to actually receive it and believe it and, and say, yes, okay, yes, Lord, I know you love me. Despite what my personal experience is, despite that I may feel like I'm not worth to be loved, I don't deserve to be loved, that I'm not lovable, the Lord Jesus started telling me, you are lovable and I do love you. He started telling me that I made you for a purpose. I've got a plan with your life. He started, he started giving me information that, that counteracted so much of what I was believing. And that started changing my relationship with myself. It started reordering my life. And it started fundamentally changing my behavior. You know, when I was <clears throat> at high school, I can remember at times having to do my oral presentations, like, you know, in private with a teacher. I couldn't speak in front of, the pe in front of people until I discovered at some point that if I talk about the Bible or about Jesus, then I can talk publicly. So every oral presentation in like my later years at school, I would do about the Bible or about Jesus. And then I could be, then I would, no matter what topic they gave me, I would work it into the scripture. And I, I preached my first sermon when I was 15 at our youth group. And I was invited to other youth groups to speak at times. As long as I spoke about Jesus, something started changing in me. And I mean, today, as I always say to people, I make my living from talking in public. I, you would never have believed that was possible when I was 14, 15 years old. But Jesus changed my relationship with myself and that changed my behavior and that changed how I began to act towards others and that's what Jesus says here love the Lord your God is the first come on and then the second which is like the first is love your neighbor as yourself as I get to know who I am because of who God is it reordens my life and it restructures my life where actually before that, my relationship with myself was my primary relationship. It was my most important relationship. Everything was actually about me. But when I surrendered and said yes to Jesus, then I made everything about him and not about me. And then he started reorganizing my life and, 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 and telling me that my life is also not about me even secondly, but it's about how to serve others and how to give to others and how to serve him by serving other people. And that started reorganizing my life. And it, because of that understanding, I was able to say yes to the Lord when he said to me, I've got to go into vocational ministry. And, and that was for me what he said I needed to do to serve others. But that became possible. 
I could do that because I knew he loved me. I was no longer looking for something to tell me that I'm loved and therefore couldn't risk serving other people because perhaps I'm not going to get the love from them that I wanted or needed. That now is being answered in my life and therefore I can step out. And, and so it does, consistently with us. Our lives are being changed. Our relationships with other people. The Bible speaks so much about every aspect of our relationships with other people. And it is one of the major marks and the fruits of the kingdom that I have said yes to Jesus is that my relationships with other people keep changing. I mean, the Bible talks about relationships between parents and children, between husbands and wives, siblings, between friends, between fellow believers, between us and unbelievers, between us and the government and citizens and their government. It talks about all kinds of human relationships, worker and, and, and employee. It talks about followers and leaders. It talks about you know, every human relationship because that's where the kingdom is manifest and the fruit of the kingdom is born, is in our relationships. And so as, I, as my relationship with myself began to change, the Lord changed my relationship with other people also. And that continues on. And the longer I stay with Jesus and the more I say yes to him, the more he's changing me into the, uh, the, the perfect plan he had created me for. And that was one of the things the Lord told me. As the scripture says, you know, that I created you for good works in advance because I was struggling with some sin and stuff in my own life. And I started thinking that perhaps I'm a bad person. And Jesus said, no, you have some bad habits and you have sin in your life, but I made you to be a good person. Your your foundational reason for creation is to be good. It's not to live this evil experience that you're having. That's the, that's the mistake. That's not the foundation. And so he began to work with me. And I want to say, yes, I want to say to you that to grow as a Christian means it takes two things. It takes time because there's certain things as a Christian that we cannot develop overnight. It takes time, but not just time. It takes saying yes also. Intentionally living my life to grow as a believer. And every time I say yes to Jesus, it puts me in a new growth spurt. And I go into a new stage of growth until I get to the next point where, where I say yes. And then it leads me forward to a new place of growth. Every time I say no to Jesus, I stagnate at that point. And if that no lingers long enough and if I don't change that no into a yes, it will actually become the point where I will begin to move away from growing in Jesus. But every time I say yes, I move forward in Jesus. And I grow in Jesus. And my life gets changed. And, and my relationships change. And the more and more my relationships change, the more I come into God's order and to the way that He created the universe to function. And God's, uh, God communicates through the Scripture and by His Spirit to us all His loving limits that He put in place, that right relationships and good relationships that are healthy and that will be a blessing to us and that will be good to us in this broken world needs to happen within a certain framework. And those are some of the rules and the laws. So when he says, love your neighbor as yourself, that word love there is not just a feeling. It's not just a, a desire for good for other people. It's actually, it's actions that I have to take, a way that I have to live, parameters that he set for me, that to love people means the following. And those are described in the scripture. Every relational law that we find in Scripture about morality and immorality, about you know, the right place where sex belongs and, and how genders relate to one another, every law in the Scripture, what parents and children should, every one of those come from this law, this one law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So if I understand this, then those laws make sense. But our relationships has these rules, if I can use that term, these, these boundaries to them. But as we say yes, we grow and we become more and more like Jesus. In 1 John 4, verse 10 to 12, the, the, the disciple who had a close relationship with Jesus writes the following. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made incomplete in us. That what he's saying is there's this unity between my love for God, how I build my relationship with myself, and my love for others. 
And that forms my arena of saying yes to Jesus. I can't love other people if I don't love God. He's not saying just love people and in that way you're loving God. You don't even have to know God. I think we've established that that's not what the scripture means. When I love God, I will love other people. And the more I love God, the more I can love other people because the more, more also I have the right relationship with myself where I don't hate myself and I don't love myself too much either, but I know who I am in God and I'm secure in that and that my identity gets changed in that. There are so many benefits of saying yes to Jesus that changes our lives. Can I just list a few for you? When I've said yes to Jesus, I know that I'm loved because the creator of of the universe tells me he loves me, the one who made me. I know that I have a purpose because he created me for a purpose and on purpose. I get a new identity when I say yes to him because I become a new person in Christ and I rediscover the person he made me to be. We see ourselves differently and we begin to act differently. We are freed from fear when we follow his way because then God covers us. And then I'm no longer living in anxiety, trying to figure out who I am and what life is about because he gives me those answers. I'm completely forgiven. The mistakes that I've made are pardoned and I recognize that that's not who I really am. But that I am really sinful and I really need forgiveness and to be set free from that. To be the person God's made me to be. We are given his guidance. He shared his, his wisdom with us through the Holy Spirit and we recognize him. We are protected from evil. We are set free from addictions and behaviors that can weigh us down. We experience peace. We know because we know that we are loved and we are purpose, have purpose and are free from fear. Um, we provided for, we're forgiven, we're given guidance and protected. It has a huge impact on our inner peace that those things are taken care of. And then we are given eternal life. Because we've chosen to be with Jesus while on this earth when we can't see him. He says, because you've chosen to be with me now where you can't even see me, you will be with me in eternity where you will see me. And you will be with me. So I want to I say to you, continue to say yes to Jesus. If you are a follower of Christ and you have said yes to Jesus, like me, you can remember that moment where you said, yes, Jesus. I want to encourage you, continue at every juncture to say, yes, Jesus. Always choose, yes, Jesus. No matter how difficult it is, no matter what it asks of you, I promise you, it's good for you and it'll lead you to more and to better. Say yes to Jesus. If you've not said yes to Jesus, I want to ask you to consider to begin to play this game of life at the higher level at the level it was meant to be played at. To not just try and live life and casually and just hope for the best and just to try and have a bit of fun, but to live life the way it was meant to be lived. Live life to its fullest. To, to grab life and to, to allow the, the Spirit of God to empower you to live life fully. I want to invite you to do that. So today as I end, I want to pray with you. And uh, last week I led us in a sinner's prayer. I didn't give you enough time to pray the words as I prayed them. So I'm going to try and be a bit simpler this week. And, but I want to pray that prayer again. Again, enough opportunity for us to say yes to Jesus. So let's pray together. Just pray this with me out loud where you are. Dear Jesus, I recognize that I need you. I need relationship with you. And today I choose to say yes to you. I want relationship with you. I also understand that means turning away from my sinful ways. And turning towards your righteous ways. So I ask you to save me from my sinfulness and to fill me with your new life so that I can live with you, in you, and for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer right now, there's prompts on the screen which you can follow and get in contact with us and we would love to help you just 
go forward in this journey. To be a, a Christian, it's about relationships, as I've said. And one of those key relationships is a relationship with a community of believers that can help you, support you, encourage you, and strengthen you. So let us know that you have prayed this prayer and we, would, we will reach out to you and just offer you the support that we can give you. May the Lord bless you. May you have a fantastic week this week. And I encourage you, say yes to Jesus. Bye. Are you feeling worn out? Jesus' open-armed invitation to us is, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Worship is to our being what sleep is to our bodies, and our worship and prayer evenings are a perfect space for you to pause and draw rest and refreshment in the Lord's presence. These worship and prayer evenings kick off again next Wednesday, Gather your friends, family, community or prayer group and join us online via our YouTube or Facebook live stream. Or better yet, join us on site for a complete experience of worship, dance and the prophetic in the main auditorium. Please arrive at 7pm for COVID screening. If you need prayer for healing or breakthrough, we have a whole team that's dedicated to praying for you. Email us your prayer request at prayforme at hatfield.co.za. For face-to-face -face ministry via Zoom, use the link on screen to dial into our virtual prayer room directly after our Sunday services or Monday evenings at 7 p.m. Are you a parent looking for positive ways to engage your children this holiday? We highly recommend the online content from our children's ministry, C4G. Our fun and energetic C4G team presents short online episodes that creatively teach our children the vital role they play in God's kingdom and how to respond to real-life issues such as bullying. Tune in every Sunday morning at 9 via our YouTube channel playlist, Children for God, C4G, for new episodes. Well, that's all from us. May you draw strength from the Lord as you rest in Him this week.